You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. This is Steph, and I have a very fun episode for you today featuring a special guest. So I am going to hand it over to her now so she can introduce herself and tell you where you can find her online. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited as somebody who has um, listened to basically all of your archives. Um, I am super excited to be part of this. So thank you so much. My name is Lauren. I am the host of Beyond the Veil podcast, where I basically discuss all things death related, whether it's from a spiritual lens, historical, uh, a little bit of pop culture in there too. It's main goal is to really get close to death, death acceptance, questioning our death uh, avoidant society, and the things we can do, whether it's learning new knowledge, gaining um, a better understanding of ourselves, participating, engaging with um, some spiritual work that gets us closer to accepting what is so natural, rebirth, life, death, it's all really one thing. So that is the main goal of my podcast and my project. And I also have um, an Instagram for that too, where folks can also see the more visual sides of my projects and my work. And that is um, at beyond the veil underscore podcast on Instagram. All right. Thank you. And as always, I will have all everything linked over at whichwednesdays.com. So you can find all of this and all the podcasts um, very easily. So the first thing that I really sort of wanted to ask you and get into is how did you get to the point that you're at um, in working, you know, with death, with such a topic that, you know, as much as death is shrouded in mystery and people don't want to talk about. um, So how did you get there within your own spiritual practice and history um, and settle on that as a topic for your podcast? Yes. Yeah. It is such, I like that you mentioned it as like a mystery. That's, I think something that writers and philosophers and thinkers and scientists have always been fascinated by. Um, And yet today societies are largely pretty afraid of talking about it and they go to some great lengths to avoid it. Um, As I also feel like in my own personal life, it very much parallels that. Um, And so for me, I think my initiation into Um, death work has been um, kind of a convergence of many roads and paths, whether it was like initiation by pandemic or breakup or a death of a loved one. um, There's been multiple roads, I think, that have led me to this this project that um, has taken me some time to figure out over the years that this is what I wanted. I think I always knew I wanted to embark on a project like this. It just took many converging factors to have me consciously realize this. And one of the biggest ones was the death of my father when I was pretty young. Um, It was very abrupt. I was 18 years old, had just had um, my first year of college coming back um, that next summer and my my life totally changed. And it has taken me quite a bit of time to become comfortable with that reality in my life And with the onslaught of the pandemic that really had a lot of people questioning 
the things that they had been avoiding for quite some time and really doing some internal work. For me, that was very similar and led me down this road, having already been immersed in the more magical side of things. Um, and as like a historian in my professional life, this project really is all my favorite things. It's feeling deeply about death and addressing grief, which is so personal yet so universal at the same time. And being able to try to understand um, society's perspectives on death and um, and also engaging with like the death archetype too, because for me, I've also noticed that the way I, I experience my grief and my feelings of loss when it comes to the people who have passed over in my life, um, it also impacts the way I navigate change in moments of great fluctuation in my life. So becoming very good friends with a death archetype too, and using magical elements to embark on that journey has made me feel so much more connected to the larger universal experience of life, death, and rebirth. So um, it's, it's, a quite a, it's a big journey, and I'm enjoying being able to connect with other people on this because it's so universal of a topic. It is, and it's really interesting that you bring up the death archetype because everyone is kind of scared of that tarot card when it comes up, that they see the death tarot card and they think that they're going to die or a loved one is going to die, but it really is about change and rebirth. So it's really interesting that you talk about that archetype in association with the big monumental changes in your life, because that's really, you know, a part of the death aspect as well. Uh, when you have those big shifts in your life, there is something that dies with that. There is a part of you, of your old self that dies when you have these monumental changes. And that comes up a lot in tarot. I know people are terrified of that card. Yes. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I think we are terrified of change um, in similar ways that we're terrified of death and loss um, with very good reason. But the more I do this internal work and I feel more connected in my spiritual practices, incorporating death work within that sphere, um, it, it makes in an unexpected way, you much more um, acceptant of what you can't control. And that is like my main goal, because that's how my grief has uh, manifested in really wanting to control situations and outcomes and feeling a lot of distress when I can't, because there's so much, only so much you can control with your life. Um, and so it may not seem very spiritual um, uh, for an outsider to think like working with death is a, a magical practice, but when you're choosing to actively see life through the lens of death, you are forever changing and you're kind of accessing um, a level of, of awareness about the world around you that's of the natural worlds and I don't think we really associate death with nature it's mostly just like springtime blooming flowers planting seeds this is the more shadowy side of of nature but like I can't even walk outside and um and take a walk in my my neighborhood without acknowledging and noticing the trees um are dropping leaves that I'm crunching on and they are death or I'm putting away my lunch boxes after a day of work and I'm noticing like the food in there is going through its process of decay. So on a daily basis, I'm feeling connected to something larger than myself, which is something I really wanted is to feel like I am a part of something and the disconnection in my professional and personal life 
has really been able to be eroded because I, I realize change isn't scary and it is something that through working with it, you kind of gain an appreciation for it. It's just, it makes things far less scarier when they become things you are seeing on a daily basis. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I understand, you know, where you're coming from. I have talked about this on the podcast before, but my dad passed away in November of 2020. And that was the first like very close person to me um, that had passed away. And I think it's really interesting in how um, my reactions then shifted and how I deal with grief shifted. Like I suddenly feel like so comfortable in graveyards that never happened to me before. It wasn't someplace that I ever, you know, wanted to spend time. I didn't want to like sit and think about it for a long time. It was really the avoidance that you mentioned. It was just a topic, a place in particular that I didn't want to spend a lot of time. And now um, I love graveyards. There's like a sense of peace there. Uh, And having lost someone, it really, I understand um, about not avoiding it, which I think, you know, people have very different reactions to grief. So you absolutely could go the other way and avoid it as much as possible. But I think a great way to deal with your grief is really that acceptance and looking into it more, which is what makes your podcast so interesting. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that um, with all of us, because I know it's very personal as anybody who's experienced great loss like that from somebody in an immediate family. Um, I was actually re-listening to some of my favorite um, episodes of yours that you've released. And unsurprisingly, they're all about the ones like with death. Um, So I was listening to the one about uh, ancestor work. And you'd mentioned um, the passing of your father too. And I think it is such a great way to engage when you are trying to develop uh, just more death positivity and connecting with those who have passed, like being able to do that through like natural or naturally informed, like spiritual elements. It is so healing to have that connection. That was one of the biggest things for me to realize it dawned on me. My relationship with this person doesn't have to end because they physically are no longer here. And that energy, that love, their desire to care for me and support me and me to learn from them doesn't just dissipate. Um, it's, I don't know, I always think about like this idea of like atoms, like they don't just like go away and they can't just dissolve. Um, there's this energy that just can't leave in my personal opinion that like always surrounds us when there's that deep connection. So knowing that I can continue that relationship with them is so incredibly healing at the end of the day, regardless of of whether or not um, larger society recognizes that. To me, I think it's a very radical act challenging our death avoidance society by refusing to um, conform to what maybe other people expect um, somebody to, to be in their grief. It's a lifelong thing you carry. There's no way to fully heal grief because you know, you'll always love that person. And when that they're gone, the love turns to grief and you'll always love them. So you'll always be grieving. But like you said, with the graveyards and and being able to be in that space and walk through and feel like you've been um, connected deeply to the spirit world is so powerful as much as we don't really want to be initiated into that. um, I think we have wisdom in ways that other people who haven't experienced that won't have access to, but eventually will because we all um, die someday. Very true. 
So with your, you know, podcast, but also your spirituality and your practice, of course, there's going to be no typical day. You don't have a loved one dying every day. Thank God. But what is it that you do in your practice semi-regularly um, associated with death work? What are some of the things that you do? Um, yeah, it's a heavy topic. I That's why I really only um, release one episode a month because it is a heavy emotional labor um, load to add into my day. I'm a public school educator during um, the work week. And that is very emotionally taxing itself. <laughs> That's enough so, load right there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, um, I initially created the podcast itself because I wanted to center death in my life, have it be an active part of my lifestyle, because it's not convenient to be addressing these emotions, my feelings of loss and grief, um, and what manifests because of those experiences. Um, so it, it, it is challenging, but for me, it is always centering around the episodes that I release. There's always some type of journal prompt element that I come up with or an exercise that is a connection to either very directly or maybe um, less direct um, in association with the theme of whatever that episode is for that month. So for example, I'm going to be discussing in um, my upcoming episode, um, the topic of death positivity, what is it and how does that become um, an active part of your lifestyle and the exercise that corresponds to that for me for that month is visiting my father's grave site, um, going and parking outside of the graveyard, interacting with the um, protective spirits that are um, guarding the graveyard, walking through, just being super present and doing a graveyard meditation. I read in the book Light Magic for Dark Times, and then making my way over to um, his gravesite and just being like super present around death. So it's little things like that that get my creativity going because I think, what, what do I need to address? Like, where am I feeling I want to explore more of? And I kind of um, document that through my Instagram account and the episode itself. And in general, when I do any kind of magical workings, I am trying to provide opportunities for my ancestors and the recently um, deceased people in my life to be a part of that process, just like I would come to them if they were still physically alive today and ask them for wisdom or advice on an issue I'm experiencing in my personal or professional life. I'm kind of paralleling and mimicking that in more of my spiritual workings, which is super healing to know that I don't have to miss out on that opportunity because um, they're no longer physically here. So it's a lot of including them in my spiritual work. And I also, as you've touched on on this podcast, so I won't go into it in too much detail, I do have an ancestor altar that um, I am adding death iconography to that serves as my memento mori. So it's those reminders that someday we will all die. Um, I like, that's like a coffin shaped candle, for example. Um, I have, Samantha West's coffin-shaped macabre tarot deck I really love. I have pictures of my deceased loved ones, flowers, offerings to them when I feel compelled. Um, so it's lighting a candle for them at the end of my day, giving them like a few bits of rundown of my, my week, um, always kind of keeping that relationship going. 
um, those are kind of the ways I keep death at the center of my life in a way that's very life-giving and not depleting. The macabre tarot deck is on my current wish list. I am trying not to buy anything this year. I'm like working really hard. I just like one of my, you know, New Year's resolutions um, and which craft supplies are at the top of the list of things I do not need to be buying this year, but that one is on my wish list. I have a um, running wish list that I uh, give to my husband and family members so they know what to get me. And that is like top of the list. So hopefully I will have that, but it really is like, it that looks so beautiful. Smart. Everything that I've seen, it, it looks so pretty and interesting. And again, I think since my father passed away, I'm like much more accepting of death and death sort of related images so skulls and the coffins and things like that. I'm like much better about having those things around. I feel, you know, much more of a sense of peace with those things now than I previously did. Whereas I wouldn't consider them, I wouldn't have considered them decor outside of the Sawan season. And now they're up like all, all year round. So I'm, I am going to set up an ancestor altar. So I might have to touch base with you before I do that. We are currently under construction um, at my house, but once that is finally done, if that is ever done, um, I will have a nice, you know, desk area and bookshelf and I'll be able to set up my ancestor altar. So I might have to reach out to you for some tips and things and get some ideas and uh, see what yours looks like. Oh yes. Yeah. That's going to be, um, I think a beautiful experience for you. Um, have you read um, Mallory Voudois' book titled Honoring Your Ancestors? Because that would be like a great resource for that. Like that's been a wealth of knowledge for me. I have not read that one yet, but it is also on my to-be-read list. And I requested it. My library does not have it in stock, but I, request, I put in the request for it. I was like, this is a great book. You should get it on your list so I can borrow it. Uh, so that one is on my list. I have heard of that one before. Yes, super, super great resource. And um, to your Samhain comment, I feel like my work is very much like Samhain all year. And I think that's like one of my favorite um, like Sabbaths, like on the, the wheel of the year. So I think it, it's a good way of summarizing what I do would, would be like, it's literally Samhain, like 24 seven, that energy um, that I work with. So it's like thinking through that lens, like, you know, rosemary can be used for so many things, but also it's really great for divination and um, connecting with, um, the deceased or looking at like, um, uses for items that are really connected to ancestor work. It's like that wood, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's like wood that is like, Oh, petrified wood. Yeah. That is really great to have on your altar too, to kind of like connect with that ancestral energy. So it's just taking what you would normally do with your magical crafting and your work and, um, putting more of like that death energy, spin on things. I, I find that to be very um, enjoyable. And I guess like, I guess that's kind of like my niche when it comes to like my work, but um, I find it very healing because it, it's, it's um, a great way to keep, keep that physically there in your life in ways that like would be way more convenient to like not address these things. Um, but I think it leads to more acceptance down the road. So if somebody is listening to this podcast and they are, you know, resonating with it and feeling like maybe they want to sort of tap into this, maybe study a little bit more, or just bring the idea of death more to the forefront in their lives. What would be some first steps that you would recommend if this is a completely new subject for them? I would, I mean, a good, if they're listening to you, then clearly, um, 
they've likely already listened to your ancestor work episode. And I think you also have an episode on graveyard magic. Am I mistaken? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I would think they should check those out because I think those are really good primers on entry points because um, we should um, start by thinking about um, those who've come before us and how that energy could help us navigate um, our lives today. And also with um, visiting like those spaces of death too, they're accessible to anybody, whether you have somebody who's in those spaces, um, you could visit a graveyard and research best ways of, of approaching those spaces, having like the proper etiquette. Um, and just thinking about like, how does death in the variety of forms it can show up, what does that look like in our lives? It's, I don't have like um, this like perfect like answer for this. I think it's like a messy topic. And so um, <laughs> it, it, it depends on like what our relationship is to death and what we, um, what we are, are dealing with in our grief. So just kind of coming closer to the touch points that might be a bit more um, sensitive when we feel ready for that because I've my father's hasn't been uh, alive for like a decade at this point so my relationship to him is going to be very different than somebody who um, has recently just um, lost a loved one so I, I approach things in a different way because I have like a decade of grieving behind me so it'll look different for every person especially if they don't have anybody in their life who has passed away um, our relationships to death are so personal. So figuring out what it looks like to them um, is, I think, a really good first step because that'll kind of have you first thinking about death. And I think we do a great job in our society of not thinking about it. So just thinking about it, I think, is a really great start. Do you have any, this just reminded me because um, I have something over on Patreon that is like a little grief mojo bag that is really great for funerals and for um, sharing with people that you're attending a funeral and their loved one has passed and you just want to be supportive for them. Do you have anything that you would recommend for that? So maybe somebody is not dealing with their own grief at the moment, but they're wondering how that they can best support a friend when they are attending a wake, a funeral, or supporting them in the, you know, time after, you know, their loved one has passed away. Because I have to say that I very much know all of my friends who were there and supported me after my father passed and everything that they did for me. Like, I will never forget those things and those people. Um, so do you have anything that you recommend others do for, for their friends and family members who are going through a hard time? That mojo bag sounds um, amazing and like super useful. Um, I think that having that physical presence is crucial. I think the act of, um, of doing things for the person that may be very challenging for them, thinking about the ways in which they might need to be supported at that time, um, like providing food possibly or helping in the assistance of their, um, the planning that might have to be a part of like their services for the loved one who was deceased. Um, I, I would highly recommend, and what, it, what really helped me was just to know that people were there carrying that pain for me, whether it was their um, significant others volunteering to be pallbearers, them being at these places 
their physical presence. Like to me, that is the emotion that I always remember. I always think back that they, those were the people that wanted to literally like bear that pain with me and be on that journey with me. Um, so for me, it's like that physical presence being there, being in that moment because funerals and graveyards, cemeteries, they're very uncomfortable places um, for all of us to be. It's not like a birthday or an anniversary where it's super celebratory um, as much as we do love to celebrate life. So knowing that people are also facing the complexity, the messiness, the heaviness of death right next to me, that is, I think, the most beautiful and powerful ritual and spell somebody could offer me in that time of need personally. I agree. That's a great way of looking at it. Doesn't always matter what you say. It matters what you do. So before we end and wrap up, I would like to ask you the question that I always ask my guests is what advice do you have for a complete beginner? Because that's, you know, a lot of the listeners for this podcast are complete beginners. So whether that is advice for beginners to the sort of death work that you do or beginners to spirituality and witchcraft in general, what is some advice that you would give to a newbie? I would definitely advise consuming any and all things death work, um, understanding like key terms. Like I would search in the beginning of my journey for like death witch or like death magic, things like that, that give me the information I need about um, how to spiritually work with death. Um, books like Danielle Dion's Magical Mediumship are just beautifully connecting um, what you probably would already know about the spiritual world with um, more of like the death side of things. Um, as I mentioned, Mallory Boudoir's Honoring Your Ancestors is a great place to start to. Um, Kate Froiler's Of Blood and Bones talks a little bit more about like working with more darker elements that t- uh, typically are seen as dark magic. And so she, um, like you have done yourself on previous podcasts, challenges this notion of dark magic um, as being kind of a a moot point when it comes to the overall general ways that we embark and engage in in our spiritual practices. Um, Becoming very familiar with the lunar cycles and how that mimics life, death, rebirth that has been really a lovely starting point for me. Um, in the beginning, channeling that natural cycle is helping me um, recondition myself to be less afraid of when those death, rebirth, life processes happen for me, knowing that it is just another turn around um, the spin around the sun, so to speak, spin around the moon. Um, and I think also, again, getting clear on. Um, Things like plants, plants, um, and any kind of botanical or herb, they also have a lot to teach us about the life, death, rebirth process. So looking into people like Morning Light Divination, um, her their Instagram account has a lot of really great resources on seeing how plant allies can be useful to folks when they're trying to uh, engage in death work or the grieving process. Um, I've done a lot of their online courses that I have found like a wealth of knowledge in, um, in engaging with. So hopefully that's a really great start for folks. Um, and again, looking at your past podcast episodes is a, 
also a, a treasure trove of information too. Oh, thank you. And I will um, have in the notes over on Witch Wednesdays all of the great books that <laughs> Lauren has just mentioned uh, to make it easier for you to find all of those because um, I know that it can be tough to take notes while you're listening to this. So I will have those all listed for you. I really like reading. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of books. I love podcasts, a lot of podcast stuff. So I'm a total book nerd. So that's why I have so many recommendations. <laughs> oh, me too. I have so many, I have so many book recommendation episodes period on the podcast, just because I have so many different um, things to recommend. But uh, the last thing, I thought that was going to be the last question, but I just thought of this because uh, it's not a question that I usually ask people, but maybe you have given it more thought than um, other guests. Do you have an opinion on the afterlife of what happens after death? Do you, have you considered that, thought about it? Because I'm getting more comfortable with death, but I still don't have a real opinion on what happens in the afterlife. It's something I have informed for myself. So I'm, I'm curious if you have one. That is so funny you asked that because that's actually going to be um, in the near future an episode I really want to get into in my podcast. Ooh, looking... Yeah. So I, cause it's, I think it's like the, I just, the idea that you would bring that up um, just makes it more clear and obvious. Like this is an essential part of um, death work. I would love to approach it from like a cultural lens, historical um, aspect. And so where I'm at right now, because it's, I'm sure always an ever evolving understanding um, for myself, I feel like when somebody passes away that the energy doesn't go away and it remains because I kind of take the route that, um, you know, you can't break down energy. Like there's always that rebirth that, you know, bodies become, um, you know, uh, soil and nutrients for the plants and, and animal life and all of that. Um, so as our physical bodies can't disappear, dissipate into nothingness. I think also the energy that animates individuals also doesn't disappear. It lingers, it's, it hangs around. Um, and so I don't think there is one place or one, um, entry point access point to the afterlife. I just, I think of it as like, like energy, like, um, light, I guess it's like all around us. I think that they're always there with us. Um, and they're always around and experiencing the world with us. And so that's kind of where I'm at, that there's no, um, even though I grew up Catholic, I don't really have this idea of like heaven or hell in my vantage point when it comes to the afterlife. I feel like it's all just one, just like life and death. It's all just one experience in and of itself. So I think we're always surrounded by it. And that brings me a lot of comfort. So whatever brings people comfort, I think is the right answer. <laughs> yes, I think that there are so many answers to that question. And I think even if you ask Catholics who do believe in heaven and hell, even their answers aren't going to be the same. They're going to have different opinions of what that actually looks like. And for me, I just have not formed my opinion yet. I'm not really sure. I just... I am also somebody who likes really concrete answers. Um, and I like these, the scientific sides of a witchcraft practice. Um, so for me, not ever knowing what that full answer is going to be until I actually die uh, makes it hard for me in life to solidify what my answer might be because I 
could be completely wrong and I hate being wrong. So I have not figured that out for myself, but I love hearing what others answers are because they are all, you know, equally valid and interesting. And, you know, I've given a little bit of thought on it, but I have not come to any sort of conclusion. So thank you for answering that. And I look forward to your episode on that topic. I think that will be really interesting to see because I know it, it varies culturally by religion. There's a lot of things that can influence what the answer to that question is. So excited to see what you come up with on that topic. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you um, asking that because it's like, uh, I think a big part of death work is asking those kind of questions. So even as simple as that, maybe you aren't like going to a graveyard or, or embarking on ancestor work. But if you're thinking about um, what death means to you and what it looks like, that is just as valid as um, using graveyard dirt in your spell work. Well, that is everything that I had to cover today. So thank you so much for being here. Um, again, I will have all of Lauren's information linked over at whichwednesdays.com so you can find her easily and find her podcast. So you can reach out if you have any other questions or maybe you have a specific topic you'd like to, her to cover on her podcast related to death in the future. Um, I will have all those and all the books that she mentioned uh, listed out for you. So thank you so much, Lauren. I greatly appreciate you being here. This is a fun topic. It seems weird to say that it was fun, but <laughs> it actually was. I know I feel the same way all the time when I, I think about that. Um, and as I always like to end my podcast um, with the, the quote from my favorite film, The Mummy, when I was growing up, um, the last thing that, that the reanimated mummy says as he goes back into his crypt um, in the water is death is only the beginning. And I think that's so true. Like death is only the beginning. Um, we have the power to write the rest of the story. So I hope this helps people feel empowered and I really thank you for making space for a heavy topic that I know personally touches you. So thank you for your, um, your emotional labor in this. I know it's, it's um, heavy stuff for people to listen to. So thank you for being brave uh, forever who it, for anybody who is listening right now, because I know this is really hard, especially during um, you know, the continuation of a pandemic. So thank you for your time. I really do appreciate that. And I love your podcast. So it's a total dream to be able to be on this. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate your kind words and uh, everybody who you listened to this episode. Yes, because you're absolutely right that it is a heavy topic can be hard for a lot of people, but still a really important one. And your quote, and also that that's your favorite movie is just the greatest. <laughs> so thank you again. And listeners, that is everything that I have for you this week, and I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.